And we're at Bible 45, Work Matters, and this is Lesson 1, Work God's Glorious Calling. So let us begin. As I was thinking about this course and this first lesson, I was thinking of just songs that have stuck in my head over the years, particularly those songs I've been playing while I'm working. And I worked a, a variety of jobs growing up. Uh, many of those summer jobs during the high school and college years. <clears throat> Did a lot of manual labor. My first job, age 13, farming potatoes. I was on the irrigation crew on my uncle's farm up in Oregon. And my job was to carry irrigation pipe. This was aluminum pipe that was 40 foot long. And we had to move it 10 rows. If you've ever seen potatoes, well, when they grow large and mature, there's big potato mounds or hills. So we'd irrigate a section, and we have these potato mounds and sloppy mud. And I had to pick up the 40-foot irrigation pipe with water in it, and I had to move them 10 rows, and then reconnect them across the field to irrigate the potatoes. That was my first job. Then I moved on to bigger and better things, concrete construction. I was the jackhammerer. That explains a lot today, why I am as I am, is I would go in and demolish sidewalks and driveways and pull out rebar so we can go in and then relay the concrete or re-pour the concrete. Things got even better after that in college. One of my first jobs in college was gutting salmon up in Alaska. So I worked on the assembly line there, decapitating uh, salmon and gutting them, pulling out all the innards. Save the caviar, the fish eggs. So that was my job. Hours in cold, cold warehouse. Gutting fish all day on an assembly line. As I think back of those days, there's always one particular song that seemed to crow from the nearby boombox. I'm going to date myself just saying boombox, okay? <laughs> Portable boombox, the two speakers. And uh, we used to play a lot of music. And there was one song that was always played, especially on Fridays. And it was a song from the rock group named Loverboy. And here's how the song went. Here's the chorus. Everybody's working for the weekend. Everybody wants a new romance. Okay. I'm not going to cover the new romance part. That's another Bible 45 <laughs> class. Okay, so we're not covering that part. But I think the first part of that line has a lot to do with what we're going to talk about today. Everybody's working for the weekend. And I'll be honest, it sure felt like it. <laughs> Everyone's working to get off, you know, uh, for their free time. Sometimes it can feel like we're just working for the weekends or for that time when we quit and our job is over. And that can be especially true at the most difficult and trying jobs that we have. So as we get started here, just curious, a job you've had in the past, just being brutally honest, you just felt like or feel like you're just working for the weekend. Any, any of those jobs you've had in the past, well, you can relate to that. It's a job, it's a necessary evil. I can't wait to be done. Let's share. Anyway, yeah. Cleaning woman. Cleaning. So, and by the way, this should just be in your home, let alone a job where you're hired. It's just work you got to do, but you just, I mean, you just, you're just working to get it done. There's no joy. There's no satisfaction in Mudville. It's just torture, but I'm going to do it to get a paycheck, to get the house clean, whatever it is. So, okay, cleaning bathrooms, yeah. Others. Mm -hmm. 
If you're silent, I'm assuming you just have complete satisfaction and joy in your job. Yeah, that's just like, thank you, Lord, that I get to work. Pour, I want, I want more. Pour it on. This is good. I love to serve you. Okay, what's that? Cleaning airplanes. Cleaning airplanes. Yes. I'm sure that, had, that included the bathrooms. Oh, yeah, I'm sure you had some stories there that may not even be, definitely not G or even PG, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, Rachel, we have your name? Oh, I was going to say residency in general. <laughs> okay, residency. Okay, now we're getting honest. Yeah. What residency. Okay. You can feel like you're kind of going through the motions, getting it done, going through the hoops, whatever it is, right? Cindy, did you ever hand raise her? Fast food. Fast food. Uh, what type of fast food did you do? On the boardwalk. On the boardwalk? Santa Cruz for my summer mission. Project. Ah, Santa Cruz. Okay. What kind of food did you serve? Really greasy food. Greasy, like... Yeah, so hot dogs, hamburgers, yeah. soft corn pretzels, dogs. corn dogs. All the healthy stuff. Yeah. Right. Uh, it's healthy if you want to make it healthy. So yeah, so here, here's, so here's the point. It's all too easy to approach your everyday work to approach it as simply a means to an end, right? Or those five days that will eventually finally deliver us to the weekend whatever your weekend is so we can be free you know free to do what you really want to do you know to recreate to rest to pursue your hobbies or even to worship you know as well with God's people so here's the question I really want to probe and we're going to probe here in this course what if we could pursue our work with the same passion the same attention to detail and excellence in which we might pursue some of our hobbies you know, whether it be carpentry, cooking, your golf swing. I don't have any golfers here, but, you know, for me, gardening. Whatever it may be that you enjoy doing. What if we could pursue our work with the same mentality, the same joy, the same fervency, the same excellence in which we pursue perhaps that thing which we're paid to do on a regular basis? What if we were able to see our work, whatever we do, even selling greasy corn dogs on the boardwalk or cleaning nasty airline bathrooms as a form of worship and a love of neighbor. Maybe that's a hard step to make or to make in your mind, but I hope we're going to get there theologically and practically as well during this course. When I say work, when we say work in this course, we're talking about that which is your main occupation or job. That could be in an office, it could be at home, it could be changing diapers at home or cleaning bathrooms or cooking. I'm speaking of that which occupies most of your time, your occupation, what you do in the everyday. We actually, the way I'm using the word vocation here is, I would say that we actually have many different vocations, voca being calling. We have many callings from God, okay? For example, one of my callings is I'm a pastor. But that's not my only calling. I also have a calling as a husband and as a father, to name a few. But in this course, we're going to focus on our main occupation, our job, that which you spend most of your time doing, the everyday. Whether you're an unpaid mom at home or a high-paid executive working in a suite in downtown Miami, whatever it may be. So here's the reality. Most of our time is not spent... The vast majority of our time is not spent on Sundays in corporate worship. 
That's only a few hours during the entire week. And I think we can have a habit of improperly dividing our lives between what we call the spiritual and the secular. You know, we can kind of view what we're doing on Sundays. This is the spiritual time, right? This is the spiritual part of my week. You know, from whatever. You get here early from Bible 45, 9.30 to 12.30. That's my spiritual part of the week. Or maybe, okay, well, we'll add in community group. You go to community group on a Wednesday or Thursday night. That too is my spiritual time. And, and the rest is secular. It's just what I do, you know, to get a paycheck, to make it through the week, whatever it may be. And we can divide. We can have the spiritual and secular divide that I find is very unhelpful and really untrue. And really what we want to do in this course is to obliterate this secular and sacred divide that we can construct in our mind. Our work is the secular thing we do. And when we gather with God's saints or we worship or under his teaching or under his word, that's spiritual. I believe the Bible sees it differently. So the mindset that says our job is what we do to get a paycheck or that job is simply the necessary evil that allows us to do the things we really want to do that is really important to me and to God. I want to change that. And I pray that God's going to do that if maybe that's what you're tempted to think in your daily job or work. We want to turn that thinking on its head in the next six weeks. To quote Dorothy Sayers, you may, may not have heard of her, but she has a, she's passed, long passed, but she has a well-known work. It's just really, it's, a, it's an essay. It's a lecture called Why Work? And I want to quote from that. She says this, Let the church remember this, that every maker and every worker is called to serve God in his profession or trade, not outside of it. The apostles complained rightly when they said, it was not meat, old-fashioned, it was not right. They should leave the word of God and serve tables. Their vocation was to preach the word. But the person whose vocation it is to prepare the, meal, the meals beautifully might with equal justice protest. It is not right for us to leave the service of our tables to preach the word. How does that hit you? Does it mean we're not called to proclaim God's word, the gospel? But it does mean we need to know our calling and what God is calling us to do and to see that we are serving him in it. So the next few weeks, we're going to talk about your calling to work. For some, it may be waiting tables. For others, it may be, yeah, preaching the word or teaching. But whatever the case, our work is a spiritual endeavor. And our work is worship. Work. Your work, my work, it all matters to God. And work matters is the title of this course on purpose. My prayer is that it will matter as much to you, your work, as it does to God. Why? Because he created you. He created you. And I'll add, he redeemed you for good works. We read in Ephesians 2.10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Or to quote Dorothy Sayers again, 
no doubt drawing from this truth found in Ephesians. Work is not primarily a thing one does to live, but a thing one lives to do. So is that your attitude? <laughs> is that my attitude? Uh, we're going to explore that. But first, let's pray. But Lord, I thank you for this time. This is a topic that we often teach about or perhaps even think about. So Lord, we're asking that you would make connections this morning between your work and our work, the very work that you've called us to do as one who's created us and yes, one who's redeemed us. So Lord, I pray that you would turn the tables on our thinking, that you would adjust our thinking if it needs adjustment, how we approach our work, how we perceive our work. Lord, we want to do our work. Lord, we want to spend those 40, 50 hours a week in work that we know is serving you and your purposes. We want to see it more and more of worship and less and less as a burden. So Father, help us. Help us to see it biblically. Help us to experience it practically, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, a little disclaimer I'd do well to make here this morning. I'm going to give you a few, if any, original thoughts. Okay? Very few original thoughts that are going to come from me in this class. I will be leaning on the Bible as well as numerous authors who have really been helpful in forming my thoughts on this topic. I'll also be looking and leaning to Mr. Raphael Gavilon, who just entered the room, because this man will be teaching the course with me, all right? And he'll be helping us delve into some real practical issues that we face and work in our everyday lives. So I'll be teaching the first three courses, excuse me, the first three classes of the six-week course, trying to really lay the theological foundation and the groundwork for the joys as well as the difficulties of work. And then Raphael will conclude the last three, covering theological as well as practical issues of work, including we've talked about relating to bosses, living out your faith at work. So that's the plan, okay, over the next six weeks for our course. And I wanted to mention a few resources as well. Actually, I put them in your notes as a way of disclaimer, but also as a recommendation. First of all, if you were going to buy one book on this topic... My recommendation would be the first one listed, Every Good Work, Connecting Your Work to God's Work by Timothy Keller. I'll be drawing on this book frequently in the lessons that I'll be teaching. And by the way, Rafa, when you teach, feel free to add in your books as well that you would recommend. They're just some that I have used. Uh, secondly, a little older book, but well worth, well worth it. It's a well-known book called God at Work by Jean Edward Veith. This book is really a synthesis of Martin Luther, his thoughts and teaching on vocation. And then also a fascinating book, which also touches on the classically reformed view of work, the little twist. He's a creative thinker. Andy Crouch, his book, Culture Making, Recovering Our Creative Calling. And lastly, a book called The Work Matters by Tom Nelson. I more skimmed this work, but I liked what I saw. I just stole the title. I liked it. Work matters. So credit to Tom Nelson here, okay, uh, for the title of this course. There's a number of other books I'll be drawing upon. Rafa may mention a few as well, but just to know where we're coming from and have some resources there. Well, as I mentioned, this morning's lesson is entitled Work, God's Glorious Calling. It's only appropriate that we begin where the Bible begins, 
in the book of Genesis. And really for a proper hermeneutic, it's really proper that we start not with ourselves when talking about this topic of work, but that we start with God himself. Isn't there a tendency in all of us? Okay, the topic is work. Okay, Corey, tell me, what's my work? What's my job? How am I to view it? Tell me about me, right? <laughs> well, we need to start with God. He's going to inform our thinking, the proper thinking on this topic. Since we're made in God's image, it's very appropriate to begin our subject of work. Focus on God. God, particularly, as a worker. God is a creator of work. Let's open up to Genesis 1. If you have your Bible here, I'd like you just to read a few verses here to hear it for ourselves. I'm going to assign you just a verse or two to read, if you could. And we'll just go around reading it, and then I'll conclude in Genesis 2. So open up to Genesis 1, please. Cindy, can you read verses 1 and 2? Okay, just hold that. I'm going to tell you when to read, but assign you verses 1 and 2, chapter 1. All right. Tere, can you read verse 3? Rafa, can you read verse 6? Shay, can you read verse 9? Alejandra, can you read verse 11? Tim, verse 14. Cassie, verse 20. Okay, Sam, 24. Rachel, 26. Marianne, 27. And Juan, 28. Got those numbers? There's a lot, okay? We're just going to read them one after the other, okay? So, you got it? Got your verse, Cindy? Why don't you read verses 1 and 2, and then Terry, we'll just go around, okay? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And God said, let there be light in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things, and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the animals, all the earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Great. Now read from Genesis 2, next chapter, verses 1 through 3. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished 
his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. What you just read was God at work. His work. God is a worker. Don't miss that. He's a creator. When we say he's a creator, we're saying he's a worker as well. And that point comes across very clearly in the verses I just read. And also what you read as well when you look at the creation accounts. God is a worker. So a few questions as we begin. Number one, in your notes, did God create the world fully developed and ready to go from day one? In other words, they kind of create it like a, do they still have a TV dinners, you know? They still have TV dinners, right, you know? Where you just pull back the plastic wrap, nuke it, and presto, you got the full meal right there. Is that how God made the earth? What was in Genesis 1? Is that how he made it? From day one, ready to go? No, not a trick question. He didn't, right? It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was what? Without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. The creation accounts that we read in Genesis 1 and 2 are basically an account of how God shaped the formless earth and filled the void with light, with water, with sky, with plants, with animals, and the pinnacle of his creation Man. See, you understand, right? God did not need to do this, this creation, in progressive stages. All right? He could have said to the world, he could have said the word, just said the word, and what? Presto. Boom. Instant, advanced human civilization could have appeared. He could have done that, right? Said the word, boom. Skyscrapers. Vehicles, hovercrafts, whatever, you know, you name it, you know? It could have been. What's the point? God brought the world into being through work. Not because he needed to do it that way, right? He's God. But because he wanted to show us something very important. God is a worker. And as those made in his image, we too are called to follow his pattern of work. Look at Genesis 1.28, all of us. Very important verse. Remember what we just saw in the creation account. Okay, God shaped the formless earth and filled the void. Now listen to what he tells man to do. By the way, this is fascinating. We talked about that two weeks ago in the sermon I did on Psalm 19. God didn't speak to the rocks and to the trees. But when he created man, he spoke to man. Man is in need of revelation. God said, I created you in my image. Now I'm going to tell you what to do why you're here, and what your job is. You need to hear. You need to know. Because you're made in my image. I'm a worker and you're a worker. And now I'm going to tell you the work that I'm calling you to do. So he addresses man uniquely. And we read in Genesis 1.28. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So what was mankind? What were humans told to do? What was that? 
Yeah, fill the earth and subdue it. Fill the earth and subdue it. You know what that sounds like? That's a lot like filling and forming that which God did in the six days of creation. We're to work as God worked. Now, obviously we're different. We don't create out of thin air, ex nihilo, okay? None of us has that power, all right? But we are called to fill and subdue what God has created. So here's a fascinating point. God made the world to need work. And we're to work it. In a sense, we're to carry on where God left off, so to speak. That's what it means to be human. Not to work. It's not like grotesque. It's just plain wrong. Any of you here ever seen the movie WALL-E? The animation? Pixar animation? Okay. Now, if I recall, Earth has long been abandoned in the story. 700 years ago, humans abandoned Earth. And they're now living in some spaceship hovering in the, somewhere in the universe. Everything is automated. So everyone is flying around in these little hover chairs. Okay? And all they have is a big video screen. I think my kids will love this. Just a big video screen <laughs> advertising snack foods and what, what have you. But do you remember what the people looked like? Grotesquely overweight and inert. In fact, they didn't even have full use of their limbs because they no longer worked. What a commentary on work and our need and calling to work. We're called to fill the earth and subdue it, not to abandon it, okay? God is speaking of the exertion of work. God made the earth, and by the way, he called it good, okay? What he created was good. But he also made it underdeveloped. Wow. That developing thing? Yeah, that's our role to develop it, not merely to maintain it or to preserve it. We're not just called to be park rangers, okay? Now, I, I love national parks. I'm grateful we have national parks. And we're preserving these tracts of land for our enjoyment. I think this creation gives glory to God we talked about last week. But that's not how we're to treat all the earth. There's, there's a, you know, the modern movement of the park ranger and conservative, conservatism, conservatism mm-hmm. is leave no trace. So I, I, I walk around, I leave no trace, as if a man was never there. That's fine for national parks. If I'm reading that word correctly, we're to leave a trace, okay, on the earth where he's placed us. We're to work it. We're to fill it. We're to subdue it. We are to leave a trace. We are to develop it as well, all right? Because it's a place to conserve, but there's also a place to work and to develop, according to what God has called us to do. We are to invest the talents God gave us, okay? Not simply to conserve them, but we're also to use them as well for his glory. Oh, thirdly, was this mandate, okay, to fill and subdue? It's often referred to as the cultural mandate. Was that given before the fall of man or after? Before the entrance of sin into the world or after? Was it? Before. Work was a part of paradise. It's getting deep now. Work was a part of paradise. That kind of bummed me out? Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I believe we'll be working as well in heaven, by the way. In the new heavens and new earth, we'll be working. 
and fully enjoying it. It'll be so, it, and it will be truly worshipful in ways that we struggle here on earth. That may be hard to believe. Work was not a result of the fall, all right? Now, the fall greatly affected our work. That'll be lesson three. We'll get there. You know that very well. But work wasn't the nasty, evil result of the fall. So to subdue or have dominion is not some dirty word as it's been made out to be in some quarters. Now, when I say subdue, we're going to talk about that later on in the next lesson. God isn't calling us to exploit the earth, okay? He's not calling us to beat it into submission as if it's some enemy. No, we're called to work it, to fill it. And by the way, that, that, that term there, fill it, doesn't just mean have a lot of babies, okay? We've got to fill it, we've got to populate. Okay, it's more than that. We're to fill the earth with people creating societies and what we call culture. We'll talk more about that as well, too. This is just your introduction lesson, okay, this morning. As we move on to Genesis 2, our imitating God and work doesn't end. God creates man out of dirt and then puts him in the garden to work the dirt, basically. We read in Genesis 2, if you have your Bibles open, verse 15, Genesis 2. Another important verse for our study. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to what? To work it and to keep it. To work it. That is to till it, to farm it. By the way, the word keep it, we kind of read keep as in preserve. That Hebrew word for keep can really be translated as guard it. Some would say to to work it and to guard it. To guard it from what? Well, guard it from the the evil serpent as well. It's going to come into the picture pretty soon and tempt Eve, okay? That may well be what he's getting at. I don't know for sure. But what I want you to hear that is, here is this. We're to work it and to keep it. We're to cultivate it. Listen to this uh, quote from Andy Crouch. I mentioned his book earlier from Culture Makers. He says, God asks us to imitate him by cultivating the initial gift of a well-arranged garden. A world where intelligence, skill, and imagination have already begun to make something of the world. But the creative work doesn't stop there. Going ahead to Genesis 2, verse 19. Look at this. Now out of the ground the Lord had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. Andy Crouch again goes on to comment. Love this. God is perfectly capable of naming every animal and giving Adam a dictionary. <laughs> hey, look it up. With this name, here you go. But he doesn't do that. He makes room for Adam's creativity, allowing Adam to be the one who speaks something out of nothing, a name where there had been none. Catch that? In the very first two chapters of the Bible, we see the value placed on work. A work which images God in his creative work, naming the animals, as well as manual labor. We see both and right here. See, I love this. God is not above getting his hands dirty, so to speak, as a gardener and maker of man. We're called to imitate him using our hands as well as our minds. And God's thinking there is no 
a division between you know blue collar and white collar. All right, knowledge classes and service sectors in God's economy. In other words, it's all His work by which we image Him. But some might say, with all this, that's great, Corey. Creation account, pre-fall, Old Testament. How about the New Testament? How about us today? Give a notice. We've been barred from the garden. We were barred from the Garden of Eden, okay? <laughs> we can't work that and keep that anymore. We're not even there, okay? Well, let me just say this. It's fascinating. And John, the Gospel of John, brings this out so clearly. That the God the Father is still at work today. And so should we be as well. And John is particularly keen in making this point. I believe it's in your notes, John 5. 17. My father is always at his work to this very day. And I am too. I too am working. You catch that? The father is working. I know the son is working. Sustaining all things by his powerful word. Interceding for us. He's working. And we are called as imitators of God to be working as well. In fact, it's what we were created to do. I read earlier in the beginning, Ephesians 2 verse 10. Believe it's in your notes, it's worth reading again here. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for what? Good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Love that verse. And by the grace of God, that work has not been forfeited because of our sin. No matter how you have treated work in the past or this week, the last 20 years, no matter how maybe you scorned work in the past. No. He's created us and redeemed us for good works. Titus 2, 11-14 says this. For the grace of God has appeared, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us okay, from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possessions, who are what? zealous for good works. We were created for good works and we were saved for the same reason. And just don't think of, okay, just don't think of good works. We can sometimes read those verses and go, yeah, I've read those before, but I kind of think of good works as, you know, worshiping God, you know, maybe tithing, maybe helping out the poor. And those are all wonderful things. They're good works. They're not saving works, but they're, they're good works. Absolutely. But I believe if we're reading our Bible holistically, if we're reading it correctly, that we need to broaden what we call good works. These good works go beyond the walls of the church, in other words, okay? Or its people. These good works are also found in your very work, in your vocation, in your occupation. You may say, but, you know, when I'm honest, they don't feel like good works, <laughs> you know? It just feels like work. You know, making photocopies, emptying the trash, washing clothes, creating financial reports, sitting in another meeting. This doesn't seem like good works. Yeah, just, just work. I mean, to be honest, just work. It's rather tedious work that I do. A lot of times, just boring. In fact, if I'm really honest, it can even feel a little pointless at times in light of eternity. We're going to talk more about that in lesson two, the value of such work. And yet how one in the same time, it could also feel worthless and pointless as well. There's a reason why. Lesson three. But for now, I want to leave you with this thought. By God's grace, we have been redeemed. 
And our work can still have meaning and can still be good in God's eyes, even when your work doesn't feel like it. Just quickly, what is some of the work that you do? I, just, I know some of you, but just quickly, tell me the work you do. I'm going to make application from the weeks to come. Just tell me what you do. What is your main occupation right now? 